Digital Marketing Radio, episode 130. Growing your business as a podcast guest. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by Aweber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all Digital Marketing Radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, Aweber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, plus view a video that I've recorded on the three reasons why I use their service at aweber.com slash DMR. So just go to aweber.com slash DMR to get started today. The Big Interview with David Bain. I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at digitalmarketingradio.com. I'm joined today by someone who transformed his business from a regional player to a national leader using inbound marketing. He's a man with a passion for empowering entrepreneurs, solopreneurs and small business owners. Welcome to DMR, Tom Schwab. David, I am thrilled to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks indeed for joining me. Well, yeah, tell you, what, you can find Tom over at tmschwab.com, and I'll include links to that at, uh, in the show notes there, digitalmarketingradio.com. But, but Tom, you're famed for inbound marketing, for being a guest for uh, on on various podcast shows. But really, is it possible to grow a business quickly without paying for advertising? Very much so. And that's really where inbound marketing comes in, right? You can, there's two ways to get traffic. You can either buy traffic and buy attention, or you can earn it. And, you know, the internet now, people are going there not to be sold things. They're going there to solve, solve their problems. And right, nobody likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy. So that those people that are really, you know, helping the customer solve a problem, and uh, and answering their questions, those are the people that are getting to to them to know, like, and trust them. They're getting the thought leadership, the authority, and whether or not you use that in content like blogs or eBooks or social media, or even like we're doing here on podcasting, you know, content is what drives our online engines. So um, I, I think if you look at uh, the way companies are building brands, it's all about uh, it's all about what we're doing here, providing good content and helping people. And uh, that doesn't that doesn't take a lot of money. It takes a lot of heart, it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of caring about your customers. So how many podcasts have you actually been on as a guest then? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on about 70. Wow. You, okay. That's, that's, that, is that a record? <laughs> uh, no, I've got a client that's been on over a hundred. That's incredible. And um, uh, he started doing it uh, before I did. Um, we were really just looking at it as, you know, um, trying to find content that would connect with his audience. And this gentleman could write a great blog, but, you know, blogs converted about one to two percent. And they take a long time to start building up. And we thought, man, he's got such a great voice. He's got great stories. How can we get him in front of his ideal customers? And so we started to use um, podcast interviews because we thought, well, we could do a podcast. But, you know, anybody that says being or having a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well. And, you know, my hat's off to you, David, because there's a lot of work that goes behind this. And and I appreciate what you do in the art form. Um, So what we looked at is said, you know, can we get podcast interviews? And what was amazing is, like I said, blogs convert about one to 2%. 
the traffic we saw coming from podcast was converting 25 to 50%, 50%. So that if people got to know you uh, on a podcast and they got to know, like, and trust you, if they came to your site, they came ready to engage. Um, so it was really a, a different level as opposed to um, just finding a blog and reading it. So you haven't been tempted to start your own show at all? Oh, I have. And um, I've actually looked at it and thought, what's the best use of my time? You know, can I connect with more people as a podcast guest or as a podcast host right now? And I definitely see probably a podcast coming in, in 2016. Right. But if you look at what marketing is, marketing at its basic is starting a conversation with your ideal customer, you know, a prospect that could be an ideal customer. So the question is, is how best to start that conversation? And it's never been easier today to do that, but there's so much noise because everybody's trying to do it. And I love podcasts because it's a very, very niche down. So it may not be a huge podcast, but there's a similar group of people there and you've got their pretty much undivided attention. So if you can provide value to them, um, what a great way. You know, I, I've often told clients and customers, I would say, would you drive around across town right now if I told you that there was, oh, 10 ideal customers? And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, well, would you drive across the state tomorrow morning if there was 100 ideal customers? And they're like, sure. I said, what, what if there was 1,000 ideal customers? Would you jump on a plane right now to go to talk to them? And all of them are like, yeah, definitely. And then I say, well, right now there's thousands of ideal customers that are listening to podcasts and they're going to listen to somebody. So is it going to be you or someone else? Can you go on there and tell your story and get them to know, like, and trust you? And that's when the light bulb goes off. You know, you can spend a whole lot of time speaking from a stage or you can spend this a lot less time speaking from your home or your office uh, to people that are there ready to learn, ready to listen. It's certainly incredible the numbers of people that do listen to podcasts. And a lot of people who are podcasters maybe think, look at their stats and think, um, oh, I've only got a couple of hundred of people uh, listening to my podcast. But if you put those couple of hundred in a room in front of you, then that that maybe sets it in a different tone because there are really, you know, hundreds of people listening to, to loads of podcasts out there. And um, and many podcasts, of course, have thousands of, of listeners as well. And it's uh, an incredible personal medium as well. So uh, how do you go about actually getting yourself to appear in these different podcasts? Is it easy enough to find podcasts um, to appear on? Well, it's very straightforward to do it. I would say that you want business results out of it. So if you just want to be on any podcast, um, it's easy to get on it. But ultimately, even if you're spending 30 minutes of time, you want real business results out of that. So we've gone through it and tested it. And really, there's a six-step process. And, and the first one that's foundational is figure out who you want to talk to. Who's your ideal avatar, your ideal dream customer? Because that is so important. I've been on podcasts that have tens of thousands of downloads, and honestly, I've, I got a handful of leads. I've been on other podcasts where the host swears she gets 300 downloads per episode, and if that's the case, half of her listeners became leads of mine. Right. So it's not necessarily which podcast, the biggest podcast, 
but the podcast that has your listeners in it. So once you've figured out you know, who your listener is, then think about um, where uh, what you offer as an expert, and then start looking at the podcast that your customers listen to. So you could ask the customers, you know, hey, do you listen to podcasts? Do you listen to on-demand radio? You could start looking through iTunes and maybe start out with new and noteworthy, you know, and think of what your ideal customer, what that buyer persona would be listening to and start someplace because the hardest podcast you're going to be on as a guest is going to be the first one. Right. You're going to be the most nervous. You won't have anything to point to after you get that first one done. Now on the second podcast, you can go back and say, oh yeah, I was featured on this podcast. You can put the link back to that and they can see that, okay, he, he, he speaks English. Uh, <laughs> he didn't embarrass the host. There's some credibility there. And really with this strategy, the hard work is the first 30 to 90 days, right? Because you have to ask to be on shows. But after you've been on enough shows, um, at the end of this one, I'm sure after we stop the recording, we're going to have that discussion that says, David, thank you so much, you know, and you'll say, hey, do you know anybody else that would be a great guest for this show? Yeah. And I might give you a couple names and I'll say the same thing and say, hey, David, do you know of any other get or any other shows that I'd be a good guest on? So if you get three leads from that, think about it. Uh, your your um, shows that you can be on just keep expanding from there. Yeah, and the podcasting community is very tight, um, so that podcasters know podcasters, and um, it's so much easier to get on a show if a friend gives you that warm introduction. Um, so I would say just worry about getting on that first show that your customers are listening to, and let it grow from there. It's it's funny because I remember starting off with digital marketing radio, and um, I was reaching out all the time to begin with to get guests to appear on the show, but. Um, I'm hardly ever doing that now. People are approaching me all, all the time, and it's a uh, it's it's a nice position to be in. But of course, you have to make sure that you you get the right people on. You you don't want to have just anyone on there. You 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 want to have someone on that um, is certainly going to offer value to your listeners, and uh, you're certainly doing that. So that, it's great. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Um, I tell you, I, I, I'd like to ask you a question a little bit about preparation because I mean, you, you talked about having to get the first show just over with, really. Um, but I mean, before you start. Is is there any real preparation that you can do to make yourself better at thinking on the spot and uh, answering questions? Should you ask your guests for questions, for example? Very much so. And you want your whole goal on being on a podcast is to make the host look like a freaking genius for inviting you and introducing you to his <laughs> who is his or her audience. Right? They've given you this great gift, this great access to this community. So just the same way, if you got invited to speak to 200 people, you wouldn't walk in totally unprepared. You know, that would be insulting um, yeah. to the host, it's insulting to the audience. So you want to put some preparation in there. And with that, you know, simple things like um, before you even uh, reach out to the host, make sure that you connect with them on social media so that you're, it's not a, that first ask is not a cold one. But, you know, he's seen you interact with him on social media. You've listened to a couple podcasts. Um, you've maybe left a re review on iTunes so that you're somebody they, they're familiar with. And by all means, listen to a couple of the podcasts beforehand. There's nothing more embarrassing or um, awkward 
for the host and for the, the listeners, for a host to ask the same question every time. And he asked it to the, the guest. And the first thing the guest goes, huh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about that. It's like, oh, geez. <laughs> but from that, and just realize that this medium here is to to entertain, to educate. You're not supposed to be selling here. Um, if you want to make a, a quick buck, a quick sale, it's never been easier to do that online. You know, go go run some pay-per-click ad or do something like that. Now, what podcasts are great is for is building a brand, building a community. Um, so if you've got more of a long-term view of it, this is the great way to go. And we've used this strategy everywhere from with coaches, with podcasters, um, with authors doing a digital book tour. Uh, we've done some with uh, people that were doing crowdfunding and how can they get that message out very quickly. Uh, we've done it with um, uh, manufacturers everywhere from somebody that was making uh, quilts from you know old, um, old T-shirts. Uh, to somebody that's been around 75 years making uh, uh, making gloves. So it really works for anybody that's trying to to communicate and to get in front of their ideal customers. You talked about a, f- a few mistakes there. Are, are there any other mistakes that you see interviewees making? I mean, I, technically, um, there are a few people that come on my show that even though you prep them beforehand, they maybe don't have the ideal microphone set up or maybe they're not wearing headphones at all. And there's a little bit of an echo, but because they're perhaps a top name, you don't particularly want to say to them, look... I'm not, I'm not interviewing you unless you get your setup correctly. Um, is, is that generally the biggest mistake, a technical mistake? Or would you say ill preparation is probably a bigger mistake? Man, I'll, okay, I'll, total um, honesty here is that I've done 70 interviews and I still learn new things. Mm. Definitely, you've got to have the right equipment. Um, if you want to sound good, um, have the right equipment. And it's not a huge expense anymore. I mean, the entire uh, professional setup I have here um, start is probably $350. But for the first two dozen that I did, I did it with a $25 microphone. And I just realized that I wanted to take it up to the next level. Um, but there's also a system to go through. And don't reinvent it every time. And um, little things that I do, um, and that's why at the beginning of this interview, I asked you, does the microphone sound okay? Because I was on an interview, oh, probably uh, three or four months ago, and I always reboot my computer just before I get on an interview, right? I want it to be fresh. I don't want anything out there. Well, I forgot to double check what microphone it was. And I stood there talking into a $400 microphone and was picked up by the microphone built in in the Mac and it sounded awful. But there's things, and and I tell you what, I've got a whole checklist of things I'll share with the audience. Uh, we can put together a, a special welcome page just at tmschwab.com forward slash DMR. And it's like little things like always turn off your computer and restart it beforehand. If you've got um, you know multiple microphones, make sure you go through and check the right one. Another thing is like uh, a lot of us use Dropbox. I love that program, but before I go on, I'll always make sure that I sent that to pause because my VA could send me a video right now and it would start fighting. Dropbox would start fighting for resources or I might upload something and forget about it. And I'm trying to upload a video to my uh, virtual assistant while we're on this, this call. And so there's a limited amount of bandwidth and I want to make sure all of it goes to the to the interview. That's the most important thing. 
Now, one other question that I've got prepared, actually, is what's the most effective call to action to make when you're being interviewed on a podcast? And I think you just gave one very effective one there. <laughs> well, let me explain. Let me explain that, too. Sure. Um, calls to actions. Most of the time we we talk about lead bait. Right. So it's not so much that we're trying to get leads. You're trying to get visitors to be or excuse me, listeners to become visitors. Give them a reason to come to your site. Podcasting is a wonderful thing, but if I'm going to show a picture or an infographic or a checklist, I can't do that over a podcast. Mm. And one of the the uh, clients we've worked with, I mentioned, she makes these these quilts from from different things. And if she's on a sports podcast, she'll just throw it out there that hey, if you want to see Wayne Gretzky's quilt that I made and cut up all the jerseys, just come to to this page and you can see it. Well, what what person isn't going to want to see Wayne Gretzky's quilt? But if she's on a a podcast that's say uh, with new moms. She'll talk about how you can take your old baby clothes, they'll cut them up and make a quilt out of it. So for those, she'll say, oh, if you want to see one of those, just come back to here. So what you're trying to do is get people to be from listeners to visitors and then from visitors to leads. Got you, got you. So um, if you do do quilts to um, um, keep on with that example, then you don't talk about um the products that you hope someone's going to buy. You don't say, we've got a lovely offer and this um, king-size quilt um, today. You will say st- something like, um, you know, we've done this unique design for this top sports player. You, you, you've got to come and see a picture of it. Right. And the other thing is that realizing that podcasts are evergreen. So mm. you don't want to just say, hey, come to my website. Because they could listen to this live here on Blab as we're recording it. And they might go there and see that. But what about the person that, you know, it's 2015 now. He comes across, you know, digital marketing radio in 2018 and he thinks this is the greatest thing going. You don't want to send them back to somebody's homepage that he doesn't get the things there. So that's why we always send them to a separate page. We call it a welcome page more than a landing page, you know, or squeeze page. Because all we're trying to do is welcome them to the site. And so with that, you know, they don't know me from anybody, right? They've heard my voice, but when they come to the website on that welcome page, we'd make sure that we'd put um, on that page for digital marketing radio, we'd put your picture, we'd put the logo from um, the podcast so that when they go right, get go there, it's more of a trust seal, right? The first thing they see is, oh, I know this, you know, I know David, I trust David. And then we go through that and then we'll put the offers at the bottom. Uh, that we talked about. And some of them are behind forms. Other ones aren't. Um, you know, typically we don't, if somebody doesn't want to be on my list, I don't want them on there. Mm. So I'm not going to put everything behind a form, but things like, um, you know, get more information. Uh, we always do a 30 minute um, uh, training that they can come on and, and download a video for that on something like that. Then we'll ask for the email. Okay. Got you. Um, so you will ask for the email, but it's not necessarily absolutely essential to grab all the information uh, or build the relationship further with you as well you're after the relationship first of all the trust and if someone trusts you then they'll opt in and they'll want to find out more about what you do after that right and um it's it's amazing because the the click-through rate at first we thought it was uh we thought it was just one person 
you know, when he was, he had such a great voice and a great story and we would see, you know, one out of four, three out of four people that would visit the page actually clicking and giving their email address. And we thought, boy, is that just, um, that person? And then I tested it. We've tested it with over 12 different clients um, that I've been involved with, with over 500 podcasts. And that's where we started testing everything and saying, well, should everything be behind a form? Should some things be behind a form? You know, what works better, having a, having a picture of the host or having a picture of the guest? And so we did a lot of that to optimize it, really to, to have the best experience for the visitor coming there. Um, and the best experience for them, listen, or results in the best um, conversion rates for us. Okay, great. Well, let's um, give out the link again for um, the <coughs> listeners listening to this show. So that's um, tmschwab.com slash DMR, isn't it? That's correct. Okay, great. Okay, well, I'll also li- uh, link to that from the show notes as well. But let's um, wander over to the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on uh, your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Text Expander. I live and die by that. Um it's just a quick way to do things um, where you can a couple keystrokes and get up whatever you need on there. Uh, to me, it's a, a productivity thing. Um, and if if I started typing, you know, three letters and the entire email didn't pop up, I would probably break my keyboard <laughs> pounding on it going, it's supposed to work. Wow. Okay. I, I don't think I've used that. Uh, so I'll have to perhaps give that a go. It's addictive. Here's a slightly more challenging question, and that's um, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Um, For me, there's a lot of wonderful software out there um, and a lot of great platforms. um, But I always look at it first and say, um, is it going to help my customers? Are my customers on there? Um, And that's the litmus test I always put on there. And I, the example that I use is my um, youngest daughter, when she was in junior high, she came to me and she said, dad, you need to be on Instagram. Instagram is so cool. Everybody is on there. And I thought, and I said, I've heard a lot about Instagram. And I said, well, who is everybody? And she said, me and all my friends. (laughs) And I thought that's really creepy for me to be on Instagram. And at that time, none of my customers were on it. So whenever people start talking about this new social media or um, you know some new program, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll I'll step back and say, what will my customers think of this first? That's good advice, uh, and it's also important to see what the uptake of a piece of software is because there's no point in being the first on there and trying to use that as uh, some kind of communications or marketing medium. As you say, your customers your target audience have to be discussing on there or, or sharing things on there for it to be worthwhile for you to be on there. Okay, well, let's um, move on to... I wish I would have. Which is, um, I'd like you to look back at the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I wish I would have been more bold and tested more things. I can't tell you how many ideas that I thought wouldn't work out actually did and things that I thought were great ideas, the customers thought otherwise. So um, fortune favors the bold. And I think we always need to be testing things with our customers, but with that too, listening to them, 
you know, you have an opinion on your business. I have an opinion on my business, but we're not the experts on it. The only experts are the customers and they're voting every day with their actions and their dollars. So I think it's really important. I wish I would have tested more things and then watched what the experts said. And if they loved it, double down on it. And if not, stop doing it because it was just ticking them off. And how do you decide on which thing it is that you should be testing next? Um, sometimes it's a, a crazy idea. Um, sometimes it could be something you hear from somebody else saying, hey, this works in my business. All right, let's see if it works in my business too. I wouldn't just say that you know Facebook ads worked in your business, so I'm going to use it in my business. I would always do a small test. Uh, to prove it in my business before I started investing a lot of time or money on it. Um, a lot of times it'll come from a, uh, a customer's feedback too. And they'll ask for something and say, okay, well, instead of doing that full product, let's come out with a minimally viable product and see what people think about it. Um, you know, um, as interpret or as, as digital marketing um, people, sometimes it's easy to sit behind our computer and come up with all these great ideas that we think are going to work, great products, great things like that. Um, but ultimately, it's the customer that's going to decide whether or not they're successful. Um, so I'm always testing things. Okay, great. And are you using split testing software as well? Or are you just talking about testing in terms of just um, introducing new concepts onto the website and seeing what happens? Um, everything. Right. So um, Optimizely now is free. And I love that. Um, there's so many of the the different platforms out there that have put split testing into it. So, you know, it could be um, lead pages or entre pages, even your emails. If you don't have a, a lot of um, great software, um, at least you can try, um, if you've got a list, say of, of 500 people, send 250 of them an email with one subject line and send 250 one with another subject line and see which one does better. And then listen to that and learn from that every time that, well, if I put two calls to action in an email, um, you know, one up high and one down low, that seems to work better. Well, if that's the case, then start doing that continually. Um, even like on social media, uh, it's not hugely scientific, but look through your posts that you do. Um, do your customers engage more with video or with images, or do they like text? Um, and you can just through, look through there, scrolling through really quick and figure out what they like and what they don't. You're certainly up to date with uh, what's uh, launching at the moment because Entrepages um, only just launched a few days ago is, uh, at the time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a customer of Entreport? I was actually speaking out there in um, California at the meeting, ah, and me, yes. uh, that that looked amazing. Um, what they were offering, you know, all I, I think I tweeted out and I said, um, entre pages equals lead pages for free. So I think they've got a great, uh, great thing there. And I was also really impressed. Um, uh, they've got some products there that walk entrepreneurs and small business over owners through things step by step. Um, and that's always the, sometimes the hardest part, not, not how much something costs, but if you can figure out how to use it. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's there's some CRM type bloated marketing automation tools out there that are very difficult to actually get to grips with to begin with. Sometimes, of course, it's uh, necessary and worth the effort to 
get to grips with it, but um, it's important to know maybe beforehand whether or not it's likely to be worthwhile or not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's move on to... The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions, just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. (whistles) Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliate or display advertising? Affiliate. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Uh, Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Both. You pick, you left your both to the end, which is probably the right thing to do. But um, and I didn't I didn't have to use phone a friend at all. You didn't. No, you <laughs> were you ready with that one? <laughs> so paid search or SEO is probably the biggest struggle. And um, is that is that because they both work well, or because you're starting to favor one a little bit more than the other now? Um, I I don't like paid search. Um, I don't like buying attention. Yeah. Um, I like earning attention, and if you say SEO being um, a trick or just optimizing things, um, I'm not a fan of SEO at that point. If you talk about SEO being content, um, then I'm a huge fan of SEO. Um, we did a, a study and I built my business on on content. And um, every time Google would change an algorithm, I would either get helped or no impact on it. So I could see my traffic go way up or stay the same, mm-hmm. but I never got hurt by it. And I always think that the best search engine optimization out there is content because that's what people like. It's what they share and user generated content is even better. Um, so if I have somebody that's, and I'm using a quote, I won't <laughs> correct that because if they misspelt it, other people will too. And uh, you know, so I'll, uh, I'll show up for that search uh, for that keyword that I never thought of. <laughs> well, um, I always struggle a little bit when um, uh, some people perceive SEO as being maybe a bit grey hattish or something um, not quite uh, right. Because um, I mean, I've been involved with SEO for over ten years now, and um, I've 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 done quite well in terms of organic traffic. And um, I, I I completely agree that for a few years um, there was a period that the focus was on trying to get pages that weren't good enough. To be ranked, and um, Google had to be a bit harder on 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 pages on domains in that instance. But um, I think SEO now is is more about quality content, but it's also about how a site's structured and th- and things like microdata within a site so that it appears nicely in search engines. So hopefully SEO is going to evolve into into getting a better better name for the future. But we'll, we'll see how that <laughs> evolves. Yeah, if and I love that definition of it. It's just I I still cringe at some of those emails that I get from from overseas. Get ranked number one on Google. I'm like, no. Yeah. But if SEO is making the user experience better, yeah. uh, making it easier for the user to find things, because ultimately um, you can have the great greatest content there, but if the search engines don't find it, uh, it's not going to serve anybody. So from that standpoint, um, I'll change my answer back to solid SEO. Okay, great. The $10,000 question. 
Ireland. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Um, by building products that people were asking for. So I'd continue with my, uh, with my current strategy of talking to the customers uh, as a podcast guest, getting them to come back, trying to engage with them. And you questioned before about email address or phone number. I think you have to ask for the email address before you get the phone number and you can communicate with email. And I would just ask open-ended questions to them. What's your struggles? What do you need? Um, And if I had that $10,000, I would turn that into something that could help the people. Uh, And it wouldn't be a definitive product. I would use that to to start version 1.0 and then very quickly move up to version 2.0 and 3.0 to help them even more. Uh, Because I know I don't need money to connect with my customers as a podcast guest, uh, but I could use that money to um, uh, to buy the resources of getting a graphic designer to help me, get a content person, getting the developer to come up with some awesome products very quickly. And what if your customers or prospective customers were asking you for something that didn't really personally interest you? Would you still want to build that thing? Um, no. <laughs> and I really, I, and my answer might have been different 20 years ago. Mm. Um, I'm at the point now where I just want to work with people um, that I find interesting, that um, that I believe in what they're doing, um, that I get really, really excited about. Um, you know, if you're just trying to to chase a dollar, uh, it's never been easier to chase a transaction online. But that doesn't build a long-term business. You know, I want a product that I can be proud of. And on my initial products, I'm not worried about customers. I don't want customers. I want advocates. I want somebody that goes out there and has such great success with it that they're telling 20 or 30 people about it. So I'm focused, especially early on, um, on getting advocates. So like when you said that $10,000, probably wouldn't need that whole $10,000 to do it, but that would give me a long enough runway too that I don't have to worry about um, the monetization early. I just need to to figure out how to make version 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, raising the price every time so that, um, that I'm providing an awesome product that people are buying and then telling other people about. Right. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm really glad that you answered it like that, um, because I feel exactly the same way myself. I. I probably don't do enough reaching out to my own audience for feedback in terms of what direction I should be going in. But um, I just focus on what I love to do as well. I. I really love talking digital marketing strategy. I love podcasting. So hopefully it goes together quite well. And uh, hopefully, um, people will pick up on the fact that I love that and uh, maybe you know be listeners or encourage other people to be listeners because of that as well Um, and um, I think that's a lot better than continually asking people and and building products based upon people's feedback without thinking about you know what really interests you personally as well but it's an it's a conundrum you know it's it's a it's a challenge isn't it it's business I I look back to the worst advice I ever got in business came from my grandfather And when I was in high school, he told me, always choose carefully who you drink with because you can't choose who you work with. Now, it was true for him. He had a a service station. He was a mechanic in a small town. 
But for us, we got the entire world. So we can choose what customers we want to serve, what customers we want to work with. So if somebody comes to me with um, a product or a project that I don't believe in, I don't believe morally in, that just doesn't excite me, you know what? Doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Doesn't mean they're a bad person, but I'm not going to spend my my valuable time working with that. But if I find somebody that, you know, has got passion for a business and and I love that too, man, yeah, that sounds like a fun project to me. My number one takeaway. Well, Tom, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? The definition of marketing. I've spent, I, I got my MBA in marketing, spent tens of thousands of dollars. And here's the takeaway, save, save all the money. <laughs> marketing is about starting a conversation with someone who could be an ideal customer. Just always remember that and then decide what you're going to do for marketing. Can you start that conversation in social media? Can you start it as a podcast host, as a podcast guest? Um, is it best to do it, you know, one-to-one? Figure out what that is, how you can start that conversation, and that is your marketing secret. That's um, a lot to think about there. Uh, I was just thinking as you said that, though, um, do you actually ask for the sale ever, or is modern marketing more about if it's the ideal customer for you, and they find out more about what you do, they'll almost ask themselves to buy whatever it is that you offer. It is. It's it's sort of, um, Gary Vaynerchuk's got that book, Jab, 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 yeah. Right Hook. Um, I look at that as serve, 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 ask. Right. You know, at a certain point, you've got to ask them or move them down okay. um, and not to sell them, but to move them closer to solving their problem. I hate the idea of a sales funnel. That, you know, David, I'm going to push you down this sales funnel until I get money out of you. That's, I hate that idea. But David, at each step of the content, we're going to move you closer to solving your problem. And if that, at the end of that, um, you solve your problem by, you know, getting a product or service for me, that's great. But if you, if not, I want you educated enough to know that, you know, this isn't the best fit for me. I'm going to go over here. Um, so I, I don't think we should just be educating for education's um, sake. I think we should be helping people solve their problem. And ultimately, if you solve their problem and they, they're appreciative, they give you these things called certificates of appreciation and they look like dollar bills or um, Australian dollars or whatever the local currency is, uh, those certificates of appreciation uh, look like money. A great last point just to finish on. So um, thanks to Tom and thank you, um, friend, for listening to us too at um, home. Really appreciate you um, uh, being along with us. If you like what Tom shared today, here's how you can help. Go and get your friend's iPhone, go to the podcast app and search for Digital Marketing Radio. Click on the show and hit the subscribe button and make them listen too. Finally, I'm also hosting another live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios. And thank you so much again, Tom. It was uh, great to have you on. Thank you, David. And what's that that link again, Tom? Uh, You can go to tmschwab.com forward slash DMR for everything that David and I talked about here. (laughs) Wonderful. Great. Okay. Thanks, everyone.